All right. So good morning, everybody. So glad that you're here. And uh, you're right, as we saw there, that we all have things we can still learn, right? We don't know it all. And sometimes we can get to thinking we do know uh, it all or more than we um, actually gets us in trouble when we get to that place and we get all puffed up inside. So I'm going to invite you, if you would, go ahead and grab your message notes out of your program. They look like this. You can follow along. I have all the Bible verses here you'll need today. Uh, but also, if you have your Bible, I'd love to see you open it to John chapter 15. Even though we're starting in Second Peter today, we're going to move over to John 15 for a significant portion of the time we get to talk today, so you could do that. And if you don't own a Bible, uh, they look like this that we have here. Just love to see you have one as a gift from us. You can stop as you leave on both sides of the lobby there, and there's some bookshelves, and you can pick up a Bible. Just love to see you have one and take one home with you as well. So here we are in this series on the good life, and at the top of your notes there, I put this verse from the words of Jesus Christ, and he says this. He says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So let's just kind of clear up what he's saying here, okay, right out of the chute. When he says them right there, that word, it refers to everyone who at some point has said yes to Jesus Christ for forgiveness and for cleansing and freedom and purpose. And then the purpose means that basically I'm going to follow him the rest of my days. So when he says them, that's who he's talking about here. So if you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, just understand that this is the promise he made for those who are, and we love having you here, love having you explore Jesus with us, love having you explore church, just to see if the church is relevant, compassionate, caring, and loving, the things that you would want a church to be. And yet, at the same time, just know that when we talk here, we're talking about for those who have said yes to him, and we just love to be part of your journey in doing that. And it says, a rich and a satisfying life. That's the promise he made. And yet what happens so many times is we look at the life that people are living who have said yes to Jesus Christ, and it's anything on the outside just looking rich and satisfying. In fact, if you were to look at most of their faces, they're like sourpusses, you know, and so there's not much joy that you see. And yet Jesus said, this is what I promised you. This is what I gave you. This is the good life. I saved you for the good life. And it's not just for heaven someday. It's in the reality we live in now, the time between we say yes to him and we do get to go to heaven someday. So that's what he wants us to understand because we all want the good life, don't we? I mean, think of the alternative. It's just a sucky life. No, you do want that, right? You want a good life. We all want that. So this week I wrote to you in my email blast and I had so many comments uh, back to me either by email or personally about the email blast this week. So I encourage you if you haven't read it yet. I talked about the fact that I come from a family and in my family, the, the, the kind of the way we were, the way I was wired is that you looked at the cup as half empty. And so, you know, as I've gone through life, I've had to try to overcome uh, the, the imprinting I received from my parents that, you know, that it was half empty and just try to learn to look at life as half full. And I made a confession in that email that I'm a recovering Eeyore, okay? So that's it. And so those of you who uh, are married to an Eeyore, you understand exactly what I'm talking about uh, and the struggle that can be in life. And I'm learning to see the cup as half full instead of half empty. Now, this is important and we think about information and knowledge and the way that we think, because here's the deal. The way that I think, my thoughts, they determine my actions. 
My actions determine my habits. My habits determine my life. And it begins with the way we think. And so we want to be thinking about the correct things, and we want to have the right kind of knowledge. So what I want to do is I want to give you the definition of the good life. I didn't put it on your notes this week. I ran out of space, and so it's not there. You can go online, and you can download notes from a previous week. But just let me just kind of say it to you. Just kind of say it, and maybe that'll help to sink in what we're talking about. So the good life, as we're defining it, is this. It's a sense of well-being. It's saying that, first of all, just understand a sense of well-being. Culture would decide, define the good life. We've talked about this as pleasure, a feeling of pleasure. And we're saying, no, 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 you will have pleasure, but that's not the goal. The goal is a sense of well-being that comes because I have an intimate relationship with God and others, because I have a life of integrity and character, because I have compassion toward those who are hurting and helpless. And another sign of the good life is, I have a purpose that's greater than self-absorption. So I have a purpose greater than that, and that actually gives me this sense of joy and contentedness in life. And so we're in this series. It's walking through a book in First Peter, Second uh, Peter, actually, excuse me. And it's just we're just covering the first twelve verses uh, and looking at them and looking at what it is he has to say. And uh, just heads up about Peter is you know remember Peter is a disciple of Jesus. And he's the one who denied Jesus on the night that Jesus was going to be crucified. And then after Jesus was resurrected, uh, that Jesus came to Peter and he restored him. He renewed him. He commissioned him. He became one of the greatest spokesmen for Christianity in the world ever existed. That is Peter. So this same Peter now is at the end of his life. And he's writing to those he's been leading, shepherding, pastoring, and he's telling them, here's what I think is most important. I've taught you about this. Anytime that someone wants to come to you that they're into their life and they're being reflective and they want to tell you something that you can recall or something that's important, you better listen to them. Not like the guy I heard that his grandfather was dying and he went to the bedside and the grandfather was dying and, and he went, the guy went to the bedside and the grandfather leaned up and he says, the oil needs changing. So that's not the kind of message that Peter's giving here, okay? Just the kind of thing that needs to be taken care of. He's given us information for life. So let's begin, 2 Peter 1, verse 3, and I'm going to read down through 5b, and I'm going to make some commentary along the way, just kind of get everybody on board about where we are and our understanding. So here's a prayer he's praying. May God give you more and more grace. So first of all, you need to understand when he says more and more, what he's saying is that your knowledge, your growth, your grace, it's going to grow. It's going to multiply. And so, you know, you just look at your life. Say, assess your life spiritually and say, if it's not growing, then I'm not connecting in the way that God's calling me to connect. If I'm connecting, then I'm going to be growing more and more as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus, our Lord. By his divine power, so it comes from him, he has given us everything. Go ahead and circle that, everything we need for living a godly life. This has been such a challenge for me to read this, everything I need. And I look at my life sometimes when I'm struggling, when I'm kind of Eeyore-ish, and I'm not looking at things positively, or I've stumbled, and I say, well, I've got everything I need, then why do I keep doing this? And so I can be hard on myself, but we got to understand, he's given us, the promise is, and so I said this the first week, and this was a word to me, I don't know how you received it, but it was to me, there's no excuse for staying where you are. 
He's given you everything you need. And that's the challenge. And so we need to look at that and say, okay, if that's the case, then there maybe needs to be some changes in my life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. It's through intimacy in him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. So here's what we can hold on to. We can hold on to promises. He says great and precious. That word precious, it means potent or they have, they have, they're, they have uh, power within the promises when you believe those and leading to life change and the good life. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. Now, key phrase there, divine nature. So we can understand. I just want us all to be aware. He's not saying that you will become God or that you will become a little God. When he says there, this is the positive part of this whole thing. He's saying you will grow in nature and your nature will be the character of God. That's what he's saying. You will end up with the character of God as you grow, that's the positive side. And then the negative side is this. You will escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. That's the negative side. So I'm going to end up in a place where I no longer am giving in to the things that have caused me harm because I bought into the lies that come from, it says culture here. Let's just say it comes from Satan. And as it comes to me, I bought into the lies and I've done things that have caused me to be harmed. So I'm no longer going to do those things is what he says. In view of all this, make every effort. So that's a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this phrase, make every effort. And so what he's saying is, he's saying, your spiritual growth, you come to faith by grace. You can't earn it. He did everything that was necessary for you to be cleansed of your sin, to be forgiven, to have freedom, to have fulfillment, and to have this purpose that'll lead to the good life all that was made possible on the cross. And you can't earn that. And then he says, but now make every effort to add to or supplement. We're using that word supplement there. Your faith. So that means that when I say yes to Jesus Christ, and I gave you a picture two weeks ago of a home, and I bought a home, and I walk into it, and it has no furnishings at all. It's a beautiful home. That's my faith home. And then what I'm doing now is I am furnishing it. Another way to look at it is I'm accessorizing it. And so as I'm accessorizing it, it becomes more beautiful and more of what God wants it to be. And then that's with a generous provision of moral excellence. We talked about, Kim talked about this last week, and moral excellence means goodness. It also means the character of God. So goodness or character of God and with knowledge, and that's where we are today. Okay, so that caught everybody up, and I'd just like to review this because I don't, you know, I'm... I can't remember what I talked about last week. So how do I expect you to remember what I talked about last week, okay? So I want to review it and just kind of get us all on board about where we're going and what we're doing. So today I'm going to focus on this concept of knowledge. So how, how many of you would agree that knowledge is important? Okay, there's probably all of us in this. How many would say that you have enough already? No, I see. You're all honest. That's good. I like that. How many of you, ask another question, have paid a price or suffered a negative consequence because you didn't have all the knowledge you needed? Yep, yep. Or because you didn't heed what you know? Oh, man, doesn't that one hurt, okay? When you already know it and you don't do it and it causes pain, that's the one that really brings some pain. So how many of you have used this phrase before? 
If I had known then what I know now, I would have. Yeah, right? The older you get, the more you use that phrase, right? If I had known then what I know now, I would have. So let's just do something together, okay? So I'm going to ask you to do something. Nothing embarrassing, okay? Please don't share anything embarrassing or too embarrassing anyway. I'd like to, you to turn to your neighbor and say, if I had known then what I know now, I would have, and finish that. If you're not sitting beside somebody, just do it out loud, okay? Just do it now. Well, that was fun. Yeah. So now I, did, I just hope that none of you said, well, based on what he's talking about, I wish I would have stayed home. I didn't. I just don't know. Nothing like that. Okay. That can't come out. Okay. So uh, I did some research on this. Here's some of the top answers that people gave to that question. Okay. If I would have known then what I know now about debt. Oh, that hurts, doesn't it? I would have handled finances differently. Mm. If I would have known then what I know now about health, I would have taken better care of myself. You know, and I, I you know, you, you folks in your 20s and 30s, bless your bodies. <laughs> bless your bodies. And, you know, that you believe that you're, you know, you can, with, you can go through anything and nothing's going to have a consequence. But trust me, and my body's not telling me this, but other old people tell me. <laughs> <laughs> That I'm paying a price for some of the things I did when I was younger, okay? That kind of thing. Here's another one, okay? Um, if, if I would have been more insistent that my kids be in church. If I would have known then what I know now, I would have been more insistent. You know, in our age, we're going so far that parents are so afraid to insist that their kid, they're letting their kids win the battle. You know, kid. Yeah, parents, I'll just say this, and, and you know, I've had, I've had teenage come through, and I know that he was perfect, and so I didn't have any of the struggles <laughs> that you guys have, but insistence, you know what, until they're out from under your umbrella of authority, you have authority, okay? Some of you just need authority. You need to get it back, and so insist, they, they, I wish I would have insisted that my kids be in church, and so we're all afraid, you know? If I tell them to go to church, they're never going to go again. You know, I, I find very few people that say, oh, because my parents told me to go to church. It, basically, there was some other experience, but I just want to set you free today. They insisted that. Okay, they said that. Here's another one. If I had known then what I know now, I would not have ignored the symptoms. Now, that gets even closer to some of us. I realize there's some symptoms. And then this was just fascinating. I thought I'd share this. If I had known then what I know now, I would have paid attention to my intuition instead of listening to my ex-spouse's explanations. Okay, so that's, there you go, okay? So you gotta pay attention to those things, okay? Lack of knowledge hurts us. In fact, you write this reference down, would you? Hosea 4.6, in the Old Testament, Hosea 4.6, I didn't put it on your notes. It says this, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. So they say, my people perish, they make dumb decisions. In fact, they're like Jim Carrey, they just get dumber and dumber <laughs> because they don't know me and they're not willing to follow my ways. Now, bring this up for two reasons. One, we all make mistakes in judgment because we lack the knowledge we need in the moment, okay? So just, just 
That's just going to be reality. We all make mistakes in judgment because we lack the knowledge we're going to need in the moment. Two, we can all make better decisions when we seek to learn the knowledge that will guide us. So we can all make better decisions when we learn the knowledge that guide us. Now, I don't believe we can ever know everything, okay? So just hear me today that when I say that, I'm not saying that you, if you were to be diligent enough and give yourself to you know, study enough, that you would know everything and you'd never make a mistake again because of a lack of knowledge. Because as we just saw there, there's so much knowledge that we haven't even explored yet. Not one person can know it all. I also don't believe that you can know enough that would keep us from every wrong or incorrect or harmful decision. They're still going to make decisions that are going to take us south along the way. So don't hear me say today that when you have enough knowledge, you'll never make a mistake again. Okay, so don't hear that today. Don't hear me saying that if you made mistakes in your past because you ignored what you knew that somehow you are bad, okay? Please, please don't hear me say that. See, the purpose today is not to make anybody feel bad or shame. You never need me to do that. I mean, many of us carry guilt and shame and we feel bad for our decisions and that's not my purpose, to make you feel bad about your past because we can never change the past. You can't change the past, but you can be proactive, proactive in creating the future. And that's what we want to talk about. How can I be proactive by having the right kind of knowledge to create a future that leads me into a place of the good life? And that's what I want to talk about just in our time together. So we're talking in this series about the good life. We're looking at these qualities. And Kim gave a great picture last week of the qualities that they are like, pearls on a strand, and so each one is a characteristic or a quality, and today's is knowledge. So let's just define it. Every week we do this, we're going to go through these characteristics or qualities. We'll define it for you or give synonyms, and so I put it there for you. Here's knowledge. Biblical knowledge is spiritual understanding. Spiritual understanding, acting on insight that's gained from God's Word. So you're going to learn today that knowledge doesn't come from just what I know, but what I do with what I know, okay? So it's not just what I know, but what I do with what I know. Acting on insight gained from God's word, obedience to his command. So there's another way knowledge comes to me when I'm obedient to what he says. And then the most important and the key is to know Jesus and to put his teachings into practice. So in 2 Peter 1 when the word knowledge is used throughout this chapter that we're looking at, it's referring to primarily knowledge about Jesus Christ, referring to Jesus Christ. We've got to make clear that that's what Peter's saying. When you have the knowledge about Jesus Christ, that that's going to help you to have a life that is better. So I put the bottom line for you there, bottom line of today's talk. In order to experience the good life in all its richness and all its fullness, we must orient our lives in such a way that we come to know Jesus better and better. Come to know him better and better. So with that in mind, we're going to look over in John 15. This is where we're going to be the rest of our time today. John 15, I put the verse I want to start with, John 15, 4, at the bottom of your notes. Jesus is saying these words. He says, if you abide in me and I in you, As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, 
Neither can you unless you abide in me. There's one word used three times. It's the word abide. I want you to circle all three of those because that's what Jesus is saying to us. And what I want to do is turn on the backside of your notes. I want to talk about what that means. Now, not to be outdone by my wife who spoke last week who had an acrostic. I have an acrostic this week, okay? So we're going to have an acrostic with the word abide, and we're going to look about what it actually means to be connected to Jesus Christ so that I end up knowing him better and better. So A-B-I-D-E-A is ask for insight. Ask for insight. If I want knowledge, I need to be free to come to him and ask him for insight. John 15, 7, Jesus says, if you abide in me, if you abide in me, and my words are abiding in you, ask whatever you wish. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And so in our context today, when he's saying, ask whatever you wish, I want to say to you today that anytime you're in a place and you need knowledge or wisdom, or you want to gain knowledge and wisdom about Jesus and about life, that you just be free and ask him. You can talk to him about it. See, you can come to Jesus and you can be honest about where you are. Your struggles, you can be honest about your doubts, you can be honest about your defeats, you can be honest about your lack, and you can come to him and be honest. I don't have to come to Jesus and pretend that I know more than I do. And that's the way many followers of Jesus Christ walk around, by the way. We walk around, we think that they expect me to know more than I do. And so we walk around with kind of a plastic shell on and we act like we know more than we do. Can you imagine what that's like when we come before God and we still have that same persona that we're acting like more than we do? And he knows what we know. He knows what's going on. So we just have to take that off and in humility come before him and ask. And I can say this, folks, you can even come to him with your doubts. And you just come to him and ask. And when we do that, what I need to do is I need to remind myself, and this is going to be key for some of us today. When I come to Jesus and ask, I need to remind myself that according to this verse, he is already up front guaranteed that he will answer. Up front. So just think about this. I was was reflecting on it yesterday. It goes back to the concept, is the glass half empty or is the glass half full? Because see, if I go through life believing that there's not enough or believing that Jesus really doesn't want to answer my question or that I'm somehow not worthy or I've got to do something to prove myself to him, make up for something I've done... If I believe that he's not going to answer my question because of what I've done, then my actions will mimic that belief. And I will step forward unsure, insecure, or I may even refuse to step forward when I know that stepping forward is the best thing because I don't feel like he's going to give me the answer I need. So what happens is we start believing there's not enough. And then we start feeling defeated or stressed or, you know what, we'll even change our goal. And the goal will be changed. It'll fit our belief. And we may not even begin stepping down the path. So this whole idea is same. It fits in this whole, you know, when we're talking about Jesus Christ. If I don't believe that he will do what he says, then I change my beliefs. I change my actions to match that belief. 
But if I believe that he will do what he says, then I will step forward. And sometimes what that means is I will step forward and I've not yet heard the word of wisdom or knowledge, but I know already that this is the direction he wants me to go. And as I step forward, and this is the scary place of faith, okay? And I step forward and he's gonna give me what I need as I step. And I have to trust him. I have to trust him that he's told me he'll give me what I need. So even though I can't see it, I'm going to trust him and I'm going to step forward that he will give me the wisdom I need as I step forward. That's the riskiness of walking with Jesus. And yet, if you read the Bible and you listen to other people tell their stories, he's never failed them. He's never failed them. And they've gotten to experience life in him to its fullest because they saw him come through in a way that literally astounded them. Now, in uh, the Bible, when Jesus was going to send out his disciples uh, to go out and do ministry, uh, he said to them, uh, he said, okay, here's what I want you to do. You're going to go out in pairs, and you're going to go around, and you're going to preach and teach and heal. This is what things you're going to do, okay, in my name. Now, don't take anything with you except the clothes on your back. Don't take food. Don't take, uh, don't prepare sermons in advance. I'll give you what you need when you need it. That's what he told them. Now, just so you know, Jesus has never told me, don't prepare sermons, okay? He's never told me, okay? So I'm there. Uh, But I can't tell you how many times when I've been in circumstances and situations, and I've not read about it, I've not thought about it, and there will be a circumstance and situation in front of me, and Jesus will give me the exact words I need at that moment, knowledge I didn't even know I had because I'm stepping out and trusting him. Or moments when I'm dry and I'm like, oh, here, 23 years of doing messages. Can I, and you feel like the well's dried up sometimes and you think, I don't have any more creativity. And then all of a sudden, there's the next idea because I'm stepping out with him. Or I've just felt depleted. Last night, yesterday I did a wedding and I'm outside for about three and a half to four hours. The wind's blowing and the pine trees. And by the end of the night, the allergies are just like this. And so I woke up this morning feeling like I'd been run over by a truck. You know, I'm like, oh, how can I do today? And God's giving me the energy I need as I step out with him. Or, you know, I need a discernment, and he's shown me what to do. Here's the deal, folks. Ask for insight and step out and believe he will give it even when you don't have it when you start. Okay? I know it's risky, but that's another way. That, that's the way we're going to be able to grow in knowledge as he walks with us. Okay, second, be. I'll be, won't be as long on the others. Be with others. Be in community. This is going to surprise some of you. But this is key to gaining wisdom and also an experience Jesus. So I want to give you the kind of the framework that we need to understand in order for you to get this today. Okay, here's the deal. The Bible says that at the moment I say yes to Jesus Christ, that moment, I say yes to Jesus Christ and receive his forgiveness, his cleansing, his freedom, and his purpose for my life. At that moment, the Bible says, Holy Spirit comes to reside inside of me right at that moment. Therefore, whenever I am with someone else who has said yes to Jesus Christ as their forgiver, as the one who sets them free, as the one who heals them and gives them their purpose, when I'm with someone else and we both said yes to Jesus Christ, I'm with someone else who also has Holy Spirit inside of them. Holy Spirit, Jesus, is inside both of us. And so when we're together, 
Jesus is with Jesus, okay? We're human. I know this is just kind of a little bit deep today, a little bit much for us to work on, but it's Jesus meeting Jesus. And so what happens then, this is, this is the mystical part, is that I can trust that God will use another person to speak to me for him. I can trust that he'll use another person to speak to me for him. What happens is I can love the Jesus in them. Jesus said in John 15, 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Because when you're doing that, it's the Jesus in you loving the Jesus in them. Now to take this just another step deeper, okay? I'm talking about the concept of mentoring here. Talking about the concept of mentoring. And we all need people who mentor us. I have lots of mentors. I didn't say lots, many mentors is another way that I might say that. And so uh, as I've gone through life, and I was younger, and I would, you know, look because I needed knowledge and wisdom, there were, God provided some older men and women. And so I established relationships with them, and we ended up in a mentoring relationship where they were teaching me and helping me through life. And so as what happened is, as I go through life then, is that those older men and women have all died. And so, you know, for me, an introvert, it means I've got to go out and form another, heaven forbid, relationship uh, again. And so I have to do that. And so I have to step outside of myself and I have to find other people who can mentor me. And God just continues to, you know, as I ask him, he continues to bring people who can mentor me. And today I have several mentors and I connect with them either in person or by phone once or twice a month. And in those sessions, I'm talking about you know, what God's doing in me and I'm listening to what God's doing in them and I'm asking them for help and for assistance. And so that's a way that we can gain knowledge as the Jesus and someone else speaks to the Jesus in you, we can gain knowledge. One of the best places this happens for me is in my community group. You know, every week, and this is why I love the consistency of an every week group, Every week we get together and I'm sitting in a room of six people, eight people. How many ever showed up that week? And some of you may be in a group of 10 or 12, how many ever it happens to be. And I'm listening to people talk about how they're working out their faith. I'm listening to people talk about their doubts, their struggles, where they've seen God, where they've been able to have victory, where they've been able to you know, ask for prayer and they mentor me in my walk with Christ as well, that I can be the same. Another way they mentor me is, by the way, we do message-based homework, and so they're telling me what they thought of my message. You know, and, and sometimes I'm going, they didn't get it. <laughs> and other times I celebrate because we all got it together. Maybe they got something totally different, but I'm like, oh, that's what Jesus was saying to them. And so that's the way that they mentor me as well as that moment. But we all need people who can speak to us in that way. Look at what Jeremiah, I just thought this was fascinating, so I put it on our notes. Jeremiah 3.15. God says, I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will guide you with knowledge and understanding. He will give us shepherds. That's his promise. And one of the great things about the way this fits our talk today is that in John, Jesus verbally says, I am the good shepherd. My sheep follow my voice. And so this is a prophecy ahead of what Jesus would be. But this also speaks to the fact that we need people, and shepherds would mean pastors, leaders, mentors who can speak into our lives and help us. Okay, A-B-I, I is inform my mind, inform. Gotta get that hyphen in there, inform my mind. 
So we're talking about gaining knowledge through information here. And this is, you know, probably if I would have taken a survey today, this is the primary way that people think they get knowledge is just through more information. Give me more information, I will be smarter. Uh, uh, And on the other hand, there are also people who say, I don't need more information, I already have all I need. And this is the person who's basically saying, you know what, hey, I'm good enough like I am. And what that means is a statement of insecurity or pride, so I don't need input outside of myself. But we all can learn. We all can learn. Look at what it says in John 15, 15. For Jesus is saying, for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So he's saying, he's saying, if you will listen to me, and this is what I love about reading the Gospels, okay? You read the Gospels, and you realize that when Jesus is speaking, he's speaking words that he's heard the Father speak. And so I'm learning directly from God when I listen to Jesus. And so I want to make sure that I'm spending time listening to the words of Jesus Christ. And he can inform me. Now, that's the key phrase there, inform. So I'm bringing in, and it's not just so that I can have more knowledge or more information, because if information alone puffs up, pride puffs up. So I know all this information But if I don't apply that information, remember that on the front side, the knowledge definition is I will act on it. So if I don't apply it, then I get puffed up in the head and I'm really no earthly good. And so what I have to do is I have to apply it. So as I apply it, I take information, I bring it in, I apply it, I'm formed or transformed in the image of Jesus Christ. I'm not transformed by going to Bible study. That didn't happen. But if I take what I learned in Bible study and go out and do something with it, I'm transformed. And so that's what he's calling us to do. He's calling us to be engaged with him. And if I'm not acting on what he said, if it's not changing the way I talk, the way I think, the way I relate, the heart I have, the words that come out, the way I relate to people, then I need to go back and ask him for forgiveness and say, I need to start acting on what I already know. I need to step out and let what I know Form me. Look at what he said in John 8. He says, If you, you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In context here, what we're talking about here, Jesus is saying, If you learn from me and act on what you know, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Just knowing what he said is not going to set you free. The only way you'll be set free is to act on what he said. Act on it. And that's what he's saying here. Please abide in me and then do what it is I called you to do. Because as you're doing that, you'll be like me in your culture and your relationships. And other people will see me as well. Okay, A-B-I-D. Do what he says. Do what he says. I wish I could be more subtle, right? Do what he says. I'd be, this is, this is just kind of a little push. If you don't do what he says, you've wasted his revelation. You've wasted it. Just think about this. Jesus is just coming onto the scene. He's teaching. Up until now, we don't have record of him performing a miracle. He goes to a wedding, and he's at this wedding, and they run out of the wine that they were celebrating with at the wedding. And his mother comes to him and says, you know, hey, this is your chance. 
you know, this is your chance right here. And first he says to her, now's not my time. But then for some reason he changes his mind and he agrees to do a miracle. And so his mother turns to the people nearby and said this, real simple, do what he says. And because they did what he said, they are now in the Bible. And we have the first recorded miracle of Jesus Christ because some people were willing to do what he said. To do it. And I just want to say, folks, you never know. You never know what God has planned for you until you do what he says. Until you step out and do it. Look what he says in John 15, 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You are my friends if you do what I command you to do. Last, E, experience his joy. Experience his joy. Up until now, you could be going, oh, this is going to be so much work, and it's all about work, and it's all about diligence, and it's all about making every effort, and whew, this is going to be tiring, and oh, my word, why did I come to church today? And, oh, just keep going on that thinking. And I, this, I want to be a ha- I want to go back to the happy church, you know? <laughs> I want the happy church. And so what I would say here is it's, it's, that's what it's all about. As I do it, I get to experience the joy that is the good life that he's called me to know and have. Look at verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy, wouldn't you like to have his joy? My joy may be in you and that your joy may be full, pressed down, shaken together, running over, overflowing the kind of joy you can have when you abide in him and walk with him. That's the good life. That's the good life. And that's what he's promised us that we can know. And when we listen to Jesus, when we abide in him, we let our roots sink that deeply into him. We not only learn from him, but we learn from Holy Spirit and we learn from God the Father. Look at this verse in 1 Corinthians 2. I love this. I want to close with this thought. Who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? And the answer is nobody. Nobody. Nobody can know the mind of God. Oh, But we have what? The mind of Christ. So we can know what God wants for us as we abide in him. And he's promised us that. And that's really the key to experiencing a good life. Let's pray together. God, I want to thank you for today. I just want to thank you for inspiration. I want to thank you for your word and how you work in us. And Lord, I, I just know that in our room, and we talked about the fact that this good life idea is only for those who've said yes to Jesus. And I realize that there are people in the room that are still on the fence, still checking him out, still not sure, still doubt-ridden. But today, they're wanting to say yes, to take that risk, even without the knowledge and information they know they need. So if that's you, I'm just going to ask right now that you would say yes to Jesus. Just You can do it in your mind. Say, yes, Jesus, I receive the gift you made possible for me on the cross. I believe you came to live and die for me. Now I want to ask you to forgive me for my sins. I want to ask you to cleanse me. I want to follow you for the rest of my days. Come and follow me as your request. Fill me with Holy Spirit. 
and I may be able to hear directly from you. God, I pray for all of us today. Just think about these five ideas. For some of us, it's the asking part where we're stuck. We rely too much on ourselves and what we know, and we're afraid to admit that we don't know enough or don't know at all. Help us to be willing to ask and then be with others. Part of that is help us to be open to ask others for input, for wisdom, for support. I pray that you would help those of us in the room who've somehow believed that we could do life as a follower of Christ and know the good life solo without being connected. Just help us today to have that vision to want to move into community. God, I pray that you would inform us. I love knowledge. I'm an addict for information. And yet, if I don't apply it, if it's not evident, if I don't see change in my life, then there's something awry. So I just give myself to you and ask you to form me. Use what I know to form me, Jesus. And I want to do what you say. I don't want to hesitate. I don't want to hold back. I want to do it now. And God, I just think of that whole idea of experiencing the joy. It says in the Bible that Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. I believe, God, that when we look at the Bible and the reason that so many came to your son is because he exuded joy. He was attractive. God, I want to experience joy, not just for myself, but so that my life can be attractive to others. Not that I can be built up, but that others would be drawn to Jesus as well. And we thank you in advance for all you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.